You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy.
Good evening. I want to welcome you to Victor Christian Fellowship tonight. It's the first day of summer officially. As things get heated up outside, God's going to heat things up in here. Father, we're so grateful and thankful that we serve a good God. And Lord, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus, who died for us, who rose again, and he's now sitting at your right hand praying for us. Lord, we just exalt your name tonight. We bless you and praise you. And we're so glad that we serve a mighty God and that you're here with us in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord tonight together. Amen. Are you ready to worship tonight? Most worthy, worthy of praise exalted. Glory, ha! 
and covering us and enlightening us. Oh, we bless you, Lord Jesus. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord Jesus. There is none like you, Lord. You are actively engaged in our lives. You, you give us your personal touch, Lord. You give us your personal touch. Thank you, Father, that you fill every hungry heart and every thirsty soul. And those who seek you will find you. You're our solid rock and our strong tower. You're our shelter in the storm. You are the way maker. Oh, we thank you for your anointing, Lord. It destroys yokes and removes burdens. And Lord, we honor your presence here. And we thank you that you speak to us. It's not tomorrow or the next day, but it's right now. You have entered into the realm of now because now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What you've been hoping for and what you can't see is made real right now as you believe me, says the Lord, as you trust me, says the Lord, as you hope in me, says the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen, amen. Amen. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. You may be seated. We're glad that you're here this evening for an outstanding Wednesday, Wednesday night refreshing. The Bible says that when we repent and turn to the Lord, that times, uh, plural, of refreshing will come from his presence. And God is always willing, able, and excited to refresh his people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just want you to know that this Saturday, 8.30 a.m., we have our Barnabas Group uh, meeting. If you can come, men, uh, it's free. It's a, we call it our breakfast of encouragement. And uh, just come here, 8.30, and uh, it'll be a great time. Anybody, any man 12 years old and up, we believe in the bar mitzvah, right? <laughs> 
no, really, uh, yeah, 12 years old and up, and just come on, men, and uh, it'll be a great time. Um, Sunday, July 2nd, we're having a, a wonderful missionary couple, Andrew and Ann Taylor, with uh, Apt Ministries. Uh, they have a Bible school in Fiji. They also have a Bible school in Indonesia, and they have a ministry in India, and uh they live in the United States for the summer, and they live in other places around the world uh, at different quarters, at different times. So it's going to be a great, he's a great teacher, and he's going to be with us on Sunday. And uh, God is gearing up for things. You know, if you are getting ready to uh, upgrade a TV, and if you have a 84-inch TV or higher or bigger, and uh, you don't know what to do with it, you can bring it here. And uh, we want to have a screen in the back to help our singers um, see the words on the back there. And uh, so if you have an 84-inch or a bigger TV, uh, we could use it. Amen? And uh, we're starting something. You know, we've been reaching out into our community. And uh, our youth, uh, New Generation Air Force, they went to the square of Palmyra last Saturday. And... Uh, we're, we're starting a Victory Sports Chapel. Um, I don't know if you've ever passed Ridge Road uh, coming towards the church from 743 to Gravel Hill. Uh, they have a, a bunch of uh, soccer fields there. And usually on a weekend when they have a tournament, there's like anywhere from 100 to 600 cars there. And, uh, you know, th- there's people there that are from out of town. And maybe there's believers there. And uh, so we're going to uh, arrange where a group from VCF can be there to uh, provide praise and worship and prayer. And uh, we're calling it the VCF Sports Chapel. So we're excited. That just, that just developed in the, in the last two days. <laughs> you know, when you, when you set your mind to win your community, God will open doors. Amen? And... Uh, Everybody say, we're thinking big. You know, we want to we wanna, uh, double the size of this church by the end of this year. Amen? Because why? We serve good food where sheep can grow, where lives can be changed. People can be healed and filled with the Holy Spirit and have hands laid on them and be taught the Word and grow with the knowledge of God. Amen? And, and we, we offer good quality uh, things here at VCF. So uh, be in prayer, uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if we have any of these uh, cards. This is a, a pray for five, and you could pick one, families, youth, children, businesses, or uh, people in general. Tonight we're going to pray for young people, and we're going to do this every service until, uh, until God says stop and, or until the barn is overflowing. Amen. <laughs> So, Heavenly Father, we just want to pray for young people. We're so grateful and thankful for uh, how you've used young people in the Word and in the world, Lord. And we just lift up our young people, our teenagers, and our early 20s, Lord. And we're just so grateful and thankful that they have hungry hearts. Lord, they they want something real and genuine. And and you provide it, Lord, with the power of your Word and the power of your Holy Spirit. And we just lift up the next generation. And we give you thanks and praise, Father, that the next generation is coming alive in Christ. Lord, they're, they're 
finding out who they are and uh, what they've been given. And they're helping uh, reach their generation as well, Father. So we just pray over our young people and our new generation, Air Force Lord, and uh, Pastors Nelson and Nadine. Lord, we just thank you for a fresh anointing, fresh insight, and uh, for increase in the next generation. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And I just want to uh, encourage you in your giving tonight. Amen. You are fabulous, wonderful, awesome, incredible uh, givers. But you know, money is important. Amen. How many know that it buys clothes? Right? It puts fuel in your cars. It puts food on the table. And uh, money plays a large part in all of our lives. Right? And uh, this is according to uh, Derek Prince. He said there are two levels of wealth. There is material and financial, but that's temporary. And then there's spiritual and eternal, and that's forever. And uh, what we do with our natural wealth has a lot to do with how much spiritual wealth we have. Amen? You know, there's a divine connection. And I want to read a scripture to you in Luke 16, 11. Luke 16, 11, It says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of earthly wealth, this is from the Amplified, who will entrust the true riches to you? How many want the true riches? Yeah. Well, how, wh- how we receive the true riches is how we handle the material riches. Amen? And uh, when you put God first in your finances, he will make sure that all things are added to you. And uh, God is good. Amen? So you can give anytime during the service. If you're watching online, you can go to our website and give that way. And Father God, I give you thanks and praise for the givers of VCF. And I thank you, Lord, that they love you and that you supply them with all of their needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And I call the givers and their gifts, Father, blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. All right, we have some awesome kids in this place. We love our kids. Our kids are so incredible and wonderful. And we want to dismiss our kids tonight. So kids, have a good class. Glory to God. Amen. Were you ready for the word tonight? I want you to look at your neighbor and say, join the resistance. This is not a message from Star Wars. But you know, there are things that as believers, we need to resist. And we need to join the resistance. I want you to turn, if you have your Bibles or your devices, I want you to go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And... uh, We're going to learn what it means to join the resistance. And when we join the resistance, we're actually taking steps to increase God's favor in our life. How many could use more favor? You know, Joseph 
It was the favor of God that was on his life that opened doors in Potiphar's house, in the prison, and then ultimately in the palace. It was the favor of God that was uh, on his life. And uh, so tonight we're going to join the resistance. And in James chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, I'm going to give you the summary. Uh, I'm not going to read it. Um, but, well, let me just read it. Just so that you know that we do things based on the Bible. Amen. James chapter 4, verse 1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desire for pleasure, that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may uh, spend it on your, uh, on your pleasures. Adulterers and adulteresses, you, you, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells uh, in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace. How, how many could use more grace? That's what we're talking about. So these things, right, the summary of James chapter 4 verses 1 through 5, the fleshly desires, the pleasures, contentiousness, right, fighting, strife, covetousness, uh, being unsatisfied, murder, covet, um, uh, prayerlessness, right? Or prayers that go unanswered because we're not asking according to the right motives. You know, these things will interfere with us receiving from God. These things will interfere with you from receiving from God. These things short-circuit God's power in your life. These things that are listed in James, they'll short-circuit the, the power of God in your life. These things hinder God's grace from operating to its fullest in your life, all right? These things put distance between you and the Lord. You become estranged, right? And, uh, you know, any time that we feel distant from God, it's not, God has, was not the one that moved. Amen? Okay, these things will leave you wanting, unfulfilled, and unsatisfied. All right, uh, these things make you weak and a prime target for the enemy. But we're going to join the resistance, the resistance. These things will cause you to fail from fulfilling your destiny. All right, so uh, every problem in our earth today has one root cause, and that cause is sin. Did you realize that one sin from one man affected the whole earth or infected the whole earth? And one sin was multiplied into multiple transgressions. But glory to God, we can resist these things. We can resist we can take up a position and resist what the devil uh, 
would like to do. He can be resisted and we can win. Amen? But we have to actively engage in resisting the plans of the enemy in our lives. Say, I'm, in, I'm a resistor. Hallelujah. All right. He said in verse 6, but he gives more grace. Who needs more grace? Amen. When you, when you take up resistance against the enemy and against the, the things of the world, you, put, you are a prime candidate to receive more grace, more ability, more power, more favor, more goodness. Amen? Am I in the right place tonight? Can we use some more grace? See, it's, it's grace that saves us. It's grace that enables us. It's grace that empowers us. It's grace that gives us access to God. Right? So how can I receive more grace? Notice what he said. He gives more grace... Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to who? The humble. All right? So God gives grace to the humble. So when we uh, embrace a spirit of humility, we open ourselves up to receive more grace from God. Amen? Go with me to 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy chapter 1. We're going to come back to James 4. We're going to kind of, we're going to kind, of, kind of camp out in James 4 tonight. But 1 Timothy chapter 1, and look at verse 12. Now this is Paul giving a, a brief summary of his testimony. Okay? 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Paul said, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord... Who has enabled me? Underline that, if you can, underline that word, enable me. That, that's talking about the grace of God. Amen? Because Paul always said, I am what I am by the grace of God. Okay? I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has enabled me because he counted me faithful. Everybody say faithful. faithful. See, we're talking about being faithful. When we take up our positions a position of resistance, we're resisting the enemy, we're resisting negative influences, and we're taking up a position in Christ Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't just let anything happen to him, right? He didn't just let the devil have his way in our lives. He resisted him every step, every inch. Listen, you can't give the devil an inch. If you give him one inch, he'll become your ruler. It's true on both fronts. Okay. He counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Verse 13. Although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man. Say he was pretty bad. But I want you to see the work of God's grace. But I, I, I obtained mercy. Oh, come on, somebody. Paul was bad. He was an insolent man, a blasphemer, but he obtained mercy. That's grace at work. Grace and mercy work together. Grace enables you to receive the mercy that God offers. 
I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was what? Exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. Everybody say exceedingly abundant. Sounds to me like he got more grace. He put in a, a position, he, he finally got a clue of what God's plan for his life was, and he resisted the temptation to persecute. He resisted the temptation to blaspheme. He gave his life over to God, and God gave him exceedingly abundant grace. That sounds like more grace to me. Exceedingly abundant. That's words to get excited over. Amen? Go to 1 Timothy, I mean 1 Peter chapter 3. I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3. Blessed be God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his what? Everybody say abundant mercy. Did you know that your father God is loaded? He, he operates out of abundance. What kind of life did Jesus want you to have? A life more abundantly. Amen? Well, when we take up the resistance, we open ourselves up for the abundance. Glory to God. He has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. Woo! I like that. That means job security for me. An inheritance that doesn't fade away. That means I can talk about inheritance forever. Hallelujah. Because it's not fading away. Mm-mm. Reserved for you in heaven who are kept by the power of God. Did you know that God is keeping you by, by his power? Hallelujah. You are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice. Everybody say greatly rejoice. Doesn't sound to me like serving God is dull or boring at all. It causes gr people to greatly rejoice. Did you know that when you greatly rejoice, you are taking up resistance against depression? You are taking up resistance against, uh, you know, things that the devil will try to do for you? When you greatly rejoice, you're taking up resistance against stress. Hallelujah. We have something to greatly rejoice about in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. All right, let's go, to, let's go back to James, chapter 4. Hallelujah. So, we're going to see the steps that we need to take our resistance. Okay? Number one, we've got to receive more grace. Say, I'm ready right now to receive more grace. Can you handle more grace? If the, if the Lord was to dump a dump truck load of grace on you, where he is so good, would you be able to handle it? 
Or would you choke on the blessing? Or would you say, oh, Lord, I'm not worthy. Not according to him. You're worthy according to him. Right? Why? He died for you. He was, you were on his mind when he was on the cross. All right? Okay? Verse number seven, James four, seven. This is step number two. You got to, you got to receive more grace. And number two, you got to submit to God. Submit to God. Hallelujah. It's everybody's favorite word. Submit to God. What does that mean? It means you put God first. It means you place or are under or you're subject to his authority. Amen? You, it means that you commit to obey the Lord no matter what. It means you come under God's arrangement. You come under God's arrangement. How many know that there's protocol in the kingdom? Right? There's certain things uh, that, that require you to, to do th- things a certain way because that's how God said it in his word. I'm not talking about a religious duty. I'm talking about you do things out of a relationship with God. Amen? So we submit to authority, all right? We put God first. We're submitting to the Lord, all right? Uh, You know, one of the greatest examples of submission was the Roman centurion. He understood authority. And he came to Jesus in Matthew 8 because his servant was near death. His servant was grievously ill, right? And he came to Jesus and he said, my servant is near death. And Jesus said, I will come and heal him, didn't he? So Jesus was with the centurion. In other words, the centurion came in faith. Jesus doesn't, if faith pleases God, Jesus wouldn't have been willing to go with the centurion to heal him if he hadn't come in faith, right? But the centurion said, oh, don't come over my house because I'm not worthy, but only speak the word. Say, just speak the word. He positioned himself under the authority of the word. He knew that Jesus is a king and whatever the king says goes. Whatever the king says happens. He has utmost highest authority in the words that he speaks. Why? His words are life. His words are spirit. And the centurion said, I'm a man who's under authority, but I also have authority. I'm under authority and therefore People are under me. I'm under authority, but I have, I have workers that are under me. You can't exercise authority if you're not under authority. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15, and look at verse 27. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 27. All right, step one, you receive more grace. Step two, you submit to authority. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 27. 
Notice what it says. He, for he has put all things under his feet. Who is the Lord's feet? Is his feet part of the body? Are your feet part of your body or do they have a mind of themselves? Where your body goes, do your feet go? They don't have a choice, do they? Feet go where the body goes, right? He has put all things, everybody say all things, under his feet. Talking about the Lord's feet, and that's us. But when he says all things are put under him, it is evident that he who put all things under him is accepted. Now, verse 28, now when all... When all things are made subject to him, then the Son himself will also be subject to him who put all things under him that God may be uh, in all, all in all. Did Jesus come to give us his own opinion? No. Did Jesus come to do his own will? No. He operated under the authority of his Father. Right? Just like we need to operate under the authority of our head, Jesus. Jesus is the head of the church. Amen. He's the head of us. Right? We're his body, but he's the head. The head gets to tell the body what to do, where to go, and how to do it. Right? And our head never has a headache. Hallelujah. So Jesus operated under authority he submitted to the father's authority he 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 said i i he said himself i did not come to do my own will but of the will of him who sent me that's submission we need to submit to god because you you will never be able to resist the devil unless you submit to god okay so these two work together submitting to god And resisting the devil, I'm joining the resistance. What are you resisting? I'm resisting the devil. I'm resisting negative influence. I'm resisting worldliness. I'm setting myself up in a position where I resist evil. We need some Christians who resist evil. Amen? Okay. Verse 7, he's back to James 4. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I know this is helping us. There's a lot of evil in the world. And believe me, God's a just God. If you don't think justice was executed, don't worry. God keeps excellent uh, notes. And we may not see justice from our perspective, but I guarantee you that God's justice will be executed to the fullest. No one gets away with anything. Amen? Okay? James 4, 7. Therefore, submit to God, right? Okay? He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. And, and what's that say? God actually takes up a, a position of opposition against pride. Oh, this is Pride Month? God's opposed to the proud. That tells me right there that God's not in it. God's against pride. He opposes the proud. You know, I got a revelation. I, I don't, when my sons do something that I like, that I think is awesome, I'm not proud, but I am very pleased. 
when Jesus was baptized at the Jordan and God spoke from heaven, he didn't say, this is my son in whom I'm proud. He said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay? Hallelujah. Glory to God. I got to touch on this. So God resists the proud, the unhumbled. They think highly of themselves. They put confidence in their own wisdom, their own power, and their own holiness, and they seek the praise of men. Who was the first one to have pride? Pride entered the devil's heart when he was an angel. Iniquity was found in his heart. What did he want to do? He wanted to exalt himself above God's throne. Right? How how did that work out? He got kicked out of heaven. He was stripped of his anointing. And he was... He he came crashing to earth like lightning. Kapow! It was so fast, his head was spinning. So, So God resists the proud, okay? He sets himself in battle array against it. He rejects the proud... He will not allow them to access or commune with himself. This is the, how serious God takes this. All right? Go t- uh, take a brief stop at Romans 5 for a second. My goodness. I'm going to give you the steps, but go to Romans 5 verse 20 for a minute. This is an old Pentecostal saying, you got your shouting clothes on? Look at Romans 5, verse 20. This is the power of God's grace that operates, all right? Romans 5, 20, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Everybody say much more. There's no amount of sin that can overcome grace. There's no amount of transgressions that that can stop God's grace. Where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. That means it superabounds. That word, that word, much more. It's uh, hyperparesio. I don't even know if I said it right. It means abundantly exceeding. Let me tell you something. Sin is no match for God's grace. I don't care how much sin you got. It can never outweigh the scale of God's grace. It can never. Grace always trumps sin. If if you're in a place where sin is flourishing, grace is much more flourishing. It means this much more means I abound exceedingly. I overflow to abound beyond measure, abound exceedingly to overflow to enjoy abundantly. You might be thinking, I messed up so bad. But let me tell you something. God's grace is more abundant than your mess. 
God's grace is bigger than your mess. God's grace has more magnitude than your mess. God's grace is mega. It's mega. You know, the lottery may have mega millions, but we got mega grace. Mega grace will make you a great man or woman of God. Hallelujah. Mm. I like that word superabound. Okay? So, now we, let's go back to verse 7 of James, right? Let's, what does it mean to resist the devil? All right? How many want to know how to resist the devil? He, guess what? He's resistible. Jesus is irresistible, but the devil is resistible. I can't get enough of Jesus, but I've had enough of Satan. That's why I'm not going to give him an inch. I'm not going to give him a place. I'm not going to give him a foothold. I'm not even going to let him finish his sentence. I'm not even going to let him finish the word he's about to say. To, to resist the devil. See, if you want the more grace, you've got to set up a, a position of resistance. We are resisting the devil. We are resisting evil. It means I set against. It means I withstand, I resist, and I oppose. Where does sickness come from? Acts 10.38 says, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power who went about doing good, healing all who were sick and oppressed of the devil. So if sickness is trying to enter your body, you need to set up resistance against it. You can't just let it have free reign. You can't let it take root. You can't, you can't take ownership of it. You've got to resist it. Everybody say resist it. You've got to oppose it. You've got to stand against it. We've got tools to override it. Hallelujah. To resist means take a complete stand against. To resist means to establish your position publicly by holding your ground. To resist means... I just put a line in the sand, and you ain't crossing it. Do you know what God led his people to do when he brought them out of Egypt? He led them to resist the destroyer. How did they resist the destroyer? By applying blood to the doorposts. Right? And when the destroyer, the destroyer was coming, right? His, his, his purpose was to destroy. His purpose was to kill the firstborn. But the destroyer came to this house. Oh, this house is covered with blood. You can't touch this. The destroyer couldn't touch, enter that house. Why? They were resisting the destroyer with the blood. Yeah. And the destroyer couldn't come in that house. And everybody who was in that house say, bye, see you, destroyer. Can't come in here. Why? They set up resistance. Amen. Say, it's, it's time to resist the devil. To forcefully declare your personal conviction. Amen? It's a military term to strongly resist an opponent. Taking up resistance requires strength and power, which comes from God's grace. 
You can't, you can't argue with the devil. You can't convince him that he's wrong. You've got, all you can do is oppose him. All you can do is stand against him. All you can do is resist him. And guess what? When you resist him long enough, he won't hang around. He will flee from you. But in order to do that, you've got to submit to God so that you can resist the devil and he will flee. Say, he will flee from me. Isn't that what the Bible said? Resist the devil and he will flee. Right? He's not going to hang around to someone who's resisting him. Hallelujah. You were made to resist the enemy. Glory to God. Isn't that what we, Ephesians 6 tells us? Ephesians 6, 13. Let me just read it. You don't have to turn there. It says, therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day. The evil day is the day of temptation. And having done everything to stand, stand. That means I've, I've utilized everything I know to do to stand, but then I can stand on God's word. Don't leave God's word. Don't leave the Holy Spirit. Don't leave praise. Hallelujah. Set up resistance to the enemy. When he's coming against your family, resist him. When he's coming, trying to come in your body, resist him. When he's trying to come in your church, resist him. When he's trying to come in your marriage, resist him. He needs to be resisted. And he won't even resist arrest. He'll just flee. When he sees you make up your mind, he's not going to stick around. He will flee from you. You know, the Bible says the enemy will come at you one way, but he'll flee from you seven ways. Amen? Are you someone who the devil doesn't want to mess with? Because you know what? He comes at you with little things, thoughts, ideas, or suggestions. But they're traps. And once you give him a little, he'll take a lot. Hallelujah. Say, I'm joining the resistance. How do we resist God? How do we resist the devil? Use the word. The word is your armor. Every piece of the armor is the word. Amen? God gave us equipment to resist the devil. Rely on the Holy Spirit. He's smarter than the devil. He knows what the devil's going to do before he does it. He knows where, he knows every trap that the enemy hid and he will help you avoid it. the Holy Spirit will outsmart the devil every time. He who is in you is greater. Say, I've got the greater one on me, in me. You've got God's greatness in you. I'm joining the resistance. How do we resist him? Through praise. Praise. What happens when you praise? God's presence inhabits your praise. Your praise invites Big Brother on the scene. The enemy thought he had Paul and Silas. Right? I got him just where I want him. 
They're in darkness because I love darkness. They're in chains because I love binding people. Right? They were, they were criticized. They were condemned. They were beaten. But they turned the tables on the enemy through praise. At midnight, they set up resistance. And they began to praise God. And, oh, I'll tell you what, the enemy was resisted. Chains fell off. Prison doors opened. The prison shook. Hallelujah. That's some resistance. And what happened? A family got saved who became the pastor of the Philippian church. He went from a warden to be a pastor. He went from a warden to a shepherd. <laughs> All because they praised. How do you resist the enemy? With your faith confession. What does faith do? Faith speaks. When you say who you are in Christ and what he's given you, you raise the shield of faith and it quenches every fiery dart of the wicked one. Do you think quenching his darts is resistance? Yeah. See, the enemy, he is the father of lies. All right? His only tool against you is deception. He has, that's the only thing in his toolbox. He has nothing else but deception. Lies. And he, he can't even, he has to get your permission to enter your life. He can't just override you. We use our faith confession. Speak the word. What did Jesus do when he was tempted in the wilderness? It is written. He spoke the word three times and the devil left him. He set up a resistance against temptation and the devil couldn't go any further. He threw the kitchen sink at him and he didn't give in. He, he set up a resistance. And the devil said, I'm leaving you for a season. He wore the devil out with three confessions. It is written, it is written, and it is also written. He wore the devil out. How do you resist the devil? By not compromising. I'll just go to this example. Joseph was tempted day in, day out. To commit adultery. Pressure. Finally, the setup. No one's in the house. Potiphar's wife thinking she's won. I'm going to get my man today. But what did he do? He refused to compromise. He said, how could I do this sin against God? First of all, you have a husband and I have a God. And he ran. He set up resistance. He refused to compromise. What happens if you compromise? You turn your authority over to the devil. See, here's the thing. James 4, 7 says, submit to God, resist the devil. But if you're not submitted to God, you can't resist the devil. When you're not submitted to God, you you attract the devil. But when you submit to God, then you can resist him. (laughs) How do you resist the devil? Stand strong. Having done all to stand, stand. I'm standing on the promises of God my Savior. 
A simple act of taking a stand. Taking a stand. You resist the devil. Amen? You know, if you don't stand up for something, you'll fall for anything. How do I resist the devil? Not accepting any of his work. First John 3, 8. The Bible says Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. What's his works? Sickness, stealing, killing, destroying, lying. Those are his works. But Jesus came to destroy the works. <laughs> the world was infected with sin, but God gave a cure to everyone called grace. It has the ability to cure sin. It has the ability, grace has the ability to override all the effects of sin. When Jesus rose from the dead, you don't hear him having any conversations about how the cross felt. You don't have any conversations about how the nails were or about how the crown of thorns fit on his head or the spear that was in his side or, or, the, or his back that was whipped 39 times. No conversation of that. Why? He was a new man. Amen. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. All the pain and all the torment that you've been through, it means nothing because you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. You've been resurrected to a new life. Quit, quit focusing on the past and start walking in the resurrection. The pain of the crucifixion can't compare to the glory of the resurrection. Where sin abound, grace did much more abound. Sin abounded because Jesus had to take the sin of the world on himself. That's abounding sin right there. But God's grace, he put his trust in God. He put his faith in God. He put his hope in God. He knew that that was only going to be temporary. But he knew that on the other side of that was something eternal, something forever. Hallelujah. You have to utterly and completely reject the work of Satan, the work of the enemy. Amen? We have to be strong in the Lord and in his power. So here are some, I call these blessing and grace blockers. They're listed in Galatians 5 and Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 4. Blessing and grace blockers, fleshly desires. Well, if you're fleshly minded, what does it lead to? Death. Right? Carousing or drunkenness. Sexual promiscuity. Irresponsibility. Quarreling. Jealousy. They're all cooperating with the enemy. If you're operating in those things, you have lowered your resistance. Shields are at 0%. You have no defense. Okay? Oh, here's some more. <laughs> Spiritual apathy, callousness, unbridled sensuality, falsehood, lying, defrauding, telling half-truths, spreading rumors, gossiping, holding a grudge, 
harboring resentment, cultivating bitterness, speaking unwholesome, foul, profane, worthless, and vulgar words, and grieving the Holy Spirit are all blessing and grace blockers. They will cause your resistance to be weakened and even diminish, and you become a prime target for the enemy. But not here. Uh Uh-uh. We're training you to win warfare. Say, I'm a winner. winner. Because I'm connected with the winner. winner. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You can only meet the devil with resistance. Don't give him a place. All right? Then, go back to James 4. Verse 8, another key to joining the resistance is you've got to draw near to God and notice he will draw near to you. Why, why does he say it that way? Because God already made the first move. Now the ball's in your court, right? So you, what does it mean to draw near to God? It means to come close or to come near. It means extreme closeness. Everybody say extreme closeness. God wants you up close and personal. He's given every believer an open invitation to come before the throne of grace that you might obtain mercy and find grace in the time of need. Amen? The only thing that's preventing a person from coming before the throne is them. They have a guilt or sin consciousness. And they don't feel worthy. But let me tell you something. Jesus' blood made you worthy. Say, I'm joining the resistance. To draw near means immediate eminence. It means uh, that uh, you need to come. You know, what did Jesus tell his disciples to say when they sent him out into the world? He said, go and preach, tell them that the kingdom of God is what? At hand. It's right, it's real close. It's real near. You can grab a hold of it. The kingdom of God is at hand. It's accessible. How do I access, how do I access the kingdom of God? Believe in Jesus! And the kingdom is yours! He, when, when you put your faith in Jesus, oh, I don't have my keys. He'll give you the keys to the kingdom. My keys are in my office. Say, I'm joining the resistance. Okay, then he tells us to do some things at the end of verse 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And then what's going to happen? The reward of humility is to be exalted, is to be lifted up. See, but when you resist the enemy... When you resist worldliness, when you take up your position to oppose these things, anything that the devil wants to do, oppose it. Anything that God's done, celebrate it. I don't care if the devil does something little, oppose it. When God does something little, celebrate it. Oppose the devil, celebrate God. Gratefulness, praise, thanksgiving. Amen? So cleanse your hands. That means to make yourself clean, ceremonially and spiritually, 
Amen. How do, we, how do we clean ourselves? What can we use to clean ourselves? We can wash ourselves with the water of the word. I know he tells that for husbands over wives, but you can do that. Amen. You can, you can cleanse yourself with the word of God. The Word of God is a fire. It purifies. It's a, it's a launderer's soap and a refiner's fire. When Isaiah had the vision of the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, right? He said, oh, wait a minute. I'm a man of unclean lips. Well, how did God clean his lips? He sent a, a cherubim to go get a coal off the altar and touch his lips. One touch of the fire of God. Whoa, you cleansed. Your filth has gone up in smoke, amen? amen. One touch from, from the fire of God and his lips were cleansed. Cleanse yourselves. Keep yourselves clean in God. What does that mean? It means follow his, the path of righteousness. It means be holy for I'm holy. The Lord said it. He said to Peter, he said, be holy because I'm holy. We can be as holy as he is. He gave us that ability and that authority because it's his power, it's his holiness that we can do it by. But we got to resist the devil. Go to 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. Hallelujah. Look at verse uh, 3, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. It's not even in my notes. The Holy Spirit just dropped it in here. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. You're not going to get in a fist fight with the enemy and win. You can't take him on with fleshly means and gain the advantage over him, you'll lose. Okay? So the weapons of our war, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They have nothing to do with the flesh. They're spiritual. Say, my weapons are spiritual. Mm. But, and they're mighty through God. They're mighty in God. For the pulling down of strongholds. Say, I'm a stronghold puller. I'm a stronghold puller. Okay? What's he talking about? Where are those strongholds? They're in between your ears. Now, back in the 80s, people did this. They got on planes. And they, they said, we're going to go up to the heavens and pull down strongholds. Uh-uh. Missing it. That's not true. That's not scriptural. That's not where the strongholds are. Truth, I don't, you, maybe you never experienced that, but I knew people that did that. We're going up to the high places. And we're going to tear the devil's kingdom down. A stronghold is in your mind. Notice, okay, I'm going to prove it to you with the scripture. Okay? Casting down arguments. Everybody say arguments. Where do arguments start? In your mind. And every high thing that exalts itself against the what? Knowledge. Where's your knowledge? In your mind. Okay. Of God. Bringing every what? Everybody say thought. 
where do your thoughts originate? In your mind. He's not talking about somewhere in the air. He's talking about the, the space in between your ears. Right? See, what happens is, if we don't resist the enemy, then we're buying into his lie. And when we buy into his lie, we've given him permission to operate, to steal, kill, and destroy in our lives. So we got to stop buying the lie and go with the truth. And when we go with the truth, that brings the stronghold of the lie down. Okay? Let's read on. I'm almost done. Okay? Casting down arguments, every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought, okay, Three location, three things all have to do with the mind, all right? Into captivity to the obedience of Christ. In other words, when you hear a thought that goes against God's word, I want you to talk about Sister Jane and, and tell everybody what she did. Okay, that's a temptation to gossip, right? Okay, oh, wait, that's a thought. That's against God's word because God doesn't want me to gossip. So what do I have to do? I have to resist that thought. I have to bring that thought into captivity. I command that thought. You are arrested and you have the right to remain silent. You put handcuffs on that thought. How do you, how do you prevent a thought? Don't speak it. A thought unspoken dies unborn. You can abort a thought. Listen, every one of us have thoughts. How many has ever had a thought that you didn't, that didn't originate with you? It just came out of left field. You're like, where did that come from? We all, we've all had thoughts like that, right? But it's what you do with that thought. You've got to, it says, take that thought captive. I command that thought. I, I take you captive. I arrest you. You have the right to remain silent. When the thought is unspoken or unacted on, it dies. Bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. How do you punish disobedience? By being obedient. You overcome disobedience by being obedient. Being obedient is setting up a resistance to, to the devil. Because that's part of submitting to God. Oh my goodness. Alright? Verse 7. Do... Do you look at the things according to the outward appearance? If anyone is convinced in himself that he, he is Christ, let him again consider this in himself, that just as he is Christ, even so we are Christ. All right? So, say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get more grace. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to resist. I'm going to submit to God. I'm going to resist the enemy. I'm going to draw near to God. And I'm going to keep myself clean. I'm going to live holy. That's how you join the resistance. And God, God will make a steady flow of grace come to your life in abundance, in heaps and heaps, truckloads and truckloads. Amen? And, and you'll see the blessing of God just begin to operate and begin to flow. Amen. Just like it did with Joseph. Joseph kept his attitude right. Why? Because God doesn't hang out with whiny people. Read, read the, the Exodus. When, when, when God's people complained and murmured, 
God would say to Moses, they'd be complaining about Moses, right? God would say, why are they complaining about me? No, we weren't complaining about you. We were complaining about Moses. Moses is my man. You're complaining about me. God took complaints personal, didn't he? So when you complain, murmur, and grumble, you are not resisting the enemy. You are cooperating with him. But we've got to join the resistance. And the reward of the humble is to be exalted. Humble yourself under God's mighty hand, and he will lift you up. Wasn't Joseph lifted up from the pit to the prime minister? Amen? He was lifted up. Daniel went from the lion's den to uh, the royal palace. Mordecai went from someone who was going to be killed and annihilated to taking over all of Haman's stuff. The Lord lifted him up. Amen? Peter toiled all night until the Lord got into his boat. The Lord lifted him up and filled his boat with fish. Amen? What did Peter say? Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. What's he doing? He's humbling himself, putting no trust in himself, but putting all trust in God. And what did God do? God lifted him up. God exalted him. Amen? God will do the same for you too. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. We're going to join the resistance. Amen? If, if you have been hindered physically from making any progress, if you have been hindered financially from getting ahead, if you've been hindered in any way, tonight's your night to feel the wind of the Holy Ghost behind your sail and to get you moving forward. Amen? We're going to join the resistance tonight. And we're going to set up ourselves in a position against the enemy and against his work and against his lies and against his operations and we are going to overcome. Amen? And if if you feel like you've been hindered in any area of your life, I want you to come up here right now and we're going to break that off your life with the anointing because the anointing destroys the yoke and it removes the burden in the name of Jesus. And it sets you free. Hallelujah. God's here to set you free. 